It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price, taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. So what is the difference between an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet? The answer is the Greco-Roman model versus the Hebraic Nabium institution or empire. You can't have an institution with freelancers. You can't have an institution with freestyle. No. I have it. I just did not want to shut up long enough to sip it. But you can't. You understand? Do you understand what I just said? I just said something very profound. You cannot have an, uh, an institution with freelancers, with individuals. But why? Why can't we? No uniformity. No standards and no measures. That is why we're disjointed, because we can't agree on what a prophet is. We can't agree on the prophetic realm, scope, and dominion. So the difference between the two is that the Nambium started out as the prophecy or voice of God to a single nation. That's the difference. But under the New Testament dispensation, two changes are made. Number one, prophets are put under apostles, or next two, apostles. But the second thing is the Nadbeam institution that God has experimented with for ages, millennia, that institution is now all nations. That's the only difference. So what worked in the test case laboratory called Israel has been purged and vetted and cleansed and is now suitable for global expansion. There is no lessening of the order or the authorities or the powers, even the law. Many times you have been taught, hmm, you've been taught that under the New Testament there's no law. So are you telling me that God wants lawless prophets? More than a dozen times Jesus Christ and the, the Gospels pair prophets with the law, how they started. On this hangs the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. The prophets and the law. How did you get here? You listened to people's translation of your Bible instead of reading it yourself. Prophets are always, in God's realm, his lawyers.
That's why people have a problem with them because prophets are going to uphold the law of God because Jesus Christ, uh, the great prophet, has government, creation government, on his shoulders. And the government shall be upon your shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now, what the prophets in the New Testament do with the apostles is they are now doing something that didn't exist. They are now going to where the law originated in the spirit realm. Paul says of the law that it was good and it was spiritual and to bring life, but because of the death grip on the world, people died under it. Romans 7. So you see, the way we train prophets is not for God. We train them for the Greco-Roman era and model where everyone is an individual. We can't have an institution because we can't agree on it, because we have had poor foundations. And that poor foundation is fractured. And people are coming in, taking out chunks of the foundation and plugging it into modernization. Is this helping you guys? Are you all being helped by this? Because you've got to understand what God is doing because the prophet of the future will not be this. Now, how equipped will you be? You have people that say you can't teach folk to prophesy. And somehow or another, Samuel learned to prophesy. I don't understand that. Moses learned to prophesy. Jeremiah was taught to prophesy. So how is it you can't teach prophets to prophesy? The idea comes from what they prophesy and by whom. This is important for you to recognize. You look at it and you want a three-week course and a certificate. Midway to course, you've already got your 501c3. Got your business card, some flyers, Facebook, okay? Don't forget social media. You don't care that three people show up every week for nine years. So my thought to you is that you are still Greco-Roman. And it's very pagan because pagans feel that way. See, pagans feel like, Satan feels like as much as he can make you scatter and think that you're united, the better it is for him. So he bumps up, he puffs up your individuality. Your, it's your ministry. I could tell you about your ministry. Yet scripture tells us that God assigns people to help you in your ministry to regulate the institutions associated with his ministry and to screen and try you as well as teach you. Why do we have teachers in the body and you, and you don't need to be te- taught? You know, we have all of this errant stuff. Well, you don't need no man to teach you for you have the unction of the Holy Ghost. Then we go to Ephesians 4.11 
and 1 Corinthians 12. So I'm trying to figure out, so is God, is God conflicted? Or do, is he dealing with applications? Something else, prophets are very good. Prophets are amazing at context. They have to be. They're amazing at context. And when you get a prophet who cannot keep things in context, that is a prophet with a sick heart or a biased will. Because God requires context. Often you'll see scripture say, in this way, context. In this manner, context. During this era, context. When this was going on, context. Prophets who cannot do context are gifts because context requires intelligence and insight. Because only intelligent people seek context. Now, why am I saying it? Because it all looks the same on the surface. We look, we look at everything, but the prophet will come in and find the nuance of difference that slants or resets context. Does this speak to you all? Because many of you all have jobs where you have to go through context. You cannot be an attorney and not be able to understand context. You cannot be a doctor and not understand context. I saw five pimples today, so that means that somebody, everybody's got acne. That is not context. Isn't it the truth? I got five pimples. Context. Even ministers, the priests had to understand context. This is a boil. This is leprosy. This is a rash. This is allergy. Context. And you don't know that you lack context until you get in training. Because you can only have context when you become good at contrasts and comparisons. It seems like. Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew 5, and he say, you have heard it was said, but I say. Context. That is a priority faculty, not a gift. Faculty. That's something else you don't know. You don't know the difference between a faculty and a gift or an endowment or a talent. A faculty is not a talent. And a talent is not a faculty. You can acquire faculties. You can build faculties. You can strengthen faculties. We don't measure profits on faculties. We don't even have anything called prophetic faculties because we're still on the anointing. And we all have different faculties. Study the word faculty. And I don't mean the university teachers and staff and executives. I'm saying go to the root word of faculty is that which facilitates. Power to facilitate. Context is in faculty. Discernment requires context. So if you have discerning of gifts, you have ability to isolate the different parts, distinctives, and variations and put them within a context that differentiates one thing from another. That's prophetic intelligence. 
So you've not been taught that because the church likes bunching and lumping. Because, they're, it, because Really, because working in context takes time, and time you don't want to give to thinking things through and figuring it out. So you, if you are lousy at context, your prophetic judgment will be errant more than not. Situations can look the same, but if you're programmed to be uncontextual or non-contextual, you will always see everything into one area. The world calls it a lens or optics. Context. That's key to discernment. That's key to prophetic intelligence. And prophets are supposed to be intelligent. They're supposed to have unique minds and unique ways of seeing things. Their faculties have to include a discipline and a restraint to know what you know. But also, it, it includes something that's very important, and that is you can distinguish it between scales, ranges, scopes, levels. So so-and-so can say, 10 people can stand up here and say they're a prophet. And we can give the mic to them for 30 seconds, 60 seconds. It's a good exercise to have if you teach and train prophets. And let them say what makes them a prophet. You will find out who isn't a prophet through what they say out of their own mouth. They will judge themselves. And then you're going to say, oh, no, you're a baby prophet. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, you're, no, 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 you're a sometimey prophet. You'll be able to do something called assess. Now, why is that exercise important? I mean, what makes that exercise so important? It's embarrassing. First of all, if you can't stand being embarrassed, you need to get out of the ranks because you are not a prophet. Because the one thing prophets live for is embarrassment. Because <laughs> it's coming. It's coming as surely as the wind comes in the rain. So if you get an attitude all the time, you are a baby prophet. What did I say? Because what do babies do all the time? They whine, they cry, they deny, they hide, they blame, they finger point. See, I can say this because I've been at this thing since 1985, and I got to tell you, I don't meet a lot of mature prophets. I meet a lot of mature gifts. I do. But I don't meet a lot of mature prophets. And I know I'm not wrong because my assessment says it. Doesn't it? My assessment says that most prophets are intermediate at best. Is that right? So if you, that means those are answers the prophets choose. We don't give them their answers. They choose them. And all they recognize are the immature, infantile elements of the prophetic. Those are their choices. So when we come up and we say, the thing says your emotional intelligence is like, you know, on a threshold. That's, that's you. You don't want to admit it because if you can't admit the truth about you, you cannot discern the truth about anyone else because you will measure everything according to you. It doesn't matter whether I agree or not. Holy Ghost agrees. I'm on his staff. It doesn't matter if I see it that way or not. The Holy Ghost says it. 
I always give this. Can I just continue to say this? I always give this example because it's one of the ten that govern me. We're so used to prophecy being labeled as subjective, we don't know the objectivities of the office. Therefore, they don't know the attributes and the faculties of the officer. Just imagine if I never taught. <laughs> so let's, I'm going to read this because this is one of the things that govern me. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. And there shall come forth a rod of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. In that point, reins means kidneys. Kidneys means your will. If you're a prophet, you need to know that passage by heart. It needs to talk to you every day. So, and read it before you sit down to evaluate, assess, or judge anything. Because he gave you some specific elements that are faculties. These faculties tell you how Jesus, who came as a prophet, many of you don't realize that. You're talking about Jesus, the Messiah, you're right. You're talking about the Lord, the Redeemer, Son of Man, Lion of God. How many times has anybody taught you about Jesus, the prophet? Jesus walked the planet as a prophet, the last of that prophetic order, and the consummation of what he meant because he was the author of all of the prophecies that brought him to earth. Do you understand that you can do 10 classes on that alone for prophetic discernment, objectivity, detection? And because the, the, the world has done such a great job of making everything subjective, you don't even know what objectivity feels like, let alone looks like. Because it has to be, as far as you're concerned, it's got to be agreement. You know, a lot of people are not going to agree with your prophecies. That doesn't make you wrong. That makes them unexposed, unlearned, unenlightened. Mark your calendars for June 15th through the 18th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary, hosts her annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. This year's theme is the station of the prophet in God's future, unlocking the future of the Almighty with the key of prophecy. Keynote speakers include Prophet Elizabeth Tyam Fook, Prophet C.T. Johnson, Assistant Chief Prophet Angela Powers, and Chief Prophet Tala Price. 
register your teenagers for a youth conference. Our youth theme is identity the key to destiny, redeeming this generation. Visit www.drpaulaaprice.com to register individuals, teens and groups today. Thank you for listening to this segment of the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. Be sure and tune in next time for the continuation of this insightful teaching. To obtain resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully, visit Dr. Price's website at drpaulaaprice.com. Also, follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.